Something you should know about me, if you don't already, I'm a hypocrite. A pretty big one, actually. Uh, there are things I believe in strongly that I don't actually live out. There are things that I judge other people for, but I don't hold myself to the same standard. There, there are uh, you know standards I hold for other people, but I give myself a pass on those things. I've always got a good reason or a good excuse. I don't hold myself to the same standard. Now, I wish those things weren't true about me, but I do take some comfort knowing that I'm in good company. Because here's the truth, we're all hypocrites. We don't like to think we are, but it's true. We are. We, we see the faults in other people more clearly, more easily than we see our own faults. I've heard somebody say it like this, we judge others based on their worst moments, but we judge ourselves based on our best intentions. This is just what it is to be human. It's, it's fundamental to our nature. It's why we call what we have a sin nature. We naturally deviate into this kind of hypocrisy. Now, here's the crazy thing, is that we know it's bad. Like, we, nobody wants to be a hypocrite. Nobody wants to do business with a hypocrite. Nobody wants to be friends with a hypocrite. And yet, it's something deep down that we all have within us if we're just willing to see it. And of course, that's the problem. A lot of times, we don't see it. I don't see it in myself. I don't recognize it. Now, it should come as no surprise then that Jesus in the Gospels brings this sin issue, this hypocrisy issue up constantly. If you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice over a dozen times Jesus uses the word hypocrite, and he uses it often uh, in, um, in reference to religious people, that we religious people tend to have a harder time with hypocrisy maybe than others, because at least in our case, there's a contradiction. If I say I love God, if I say that my heart, my life is devoted to God, then there ought to be integrity, an integration between what I believe and how I live. But when there's not, when there's a division between those two things, Jesus says that is hypocrisy. It's a contradiction in terms because to be a Christian means I have an, an, an integrated heart. I have integrity. And that's why Jesus won't leave this issue alone. The fact that we're all hypocrites, the fact that it's a natural thing for us, uh, Jesus doesn't just let that lie and, and take root in our lives and dominate us. No, he wants to root it out. He wants to make it something that not only we see, but increasingly we purge out of our lives. And so that's why when we read through the Sermon on the Mount, we see it over and again. In chapter 5, Jesus said, you can't be a hypocrite in obeying God only externally, but not from your heart. In chapter 6, Jesus says, you can't be a hypocrite in obeying God, not for God's sake, but for the sake of being noticed by other people. And then here in chapter 7, we see it again. Jesus says you can't be a hypocrite in how you treat other people and how you view them and how you judge them. And that's the context here. As we look at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 7, look at what Jesus says to us, to his disciples. He says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Now, right off the bat, let's, let's clarify what Jesus means here when he says, do not judge. Because right now, in our culture, 
uh, it's very popular, it's a very popular opinion to say you shouldn't judge anybody for any reason no matter what they do. You cannot have an opinion on what people do, what, what they do is their business, it's their truth because truth is relative and so you cannot pass judgment on somebody uh, or make a value judgment on a way of life. You can't do that. Right? That's what our culture believes. Now that's not what Jesus is saying here. Okay, The Bible is full of commands and examples of what I would call righteous judgment or proper judgment that we, we shouldn't be so flimsy that we have no stances, okay? We, we're told, uh, Jesus is going to tell us later in the Sermon on the Mount, we're told to judge false teachers, people who come in and try to pervert God's truth. We're not to be flimsy and relative about that stuff. We're meant to, we're meant to make a value judgment on false teaching and false teachers. We're told in the Bible to lovingly confront fellow Christians when they're living in sin. That's, that, that is a form of judging, if you want to think of it that way, but it's not an unloving thing. If, if you saw me living in sin and you said, well, I don't want to bring that up to Kyle because I don't want to judge him, you're not obeying Jesus in that moment. You, you're, you're actually doing me great harm because I may not see that sin in my life and I need help. And so that is an example of righteous judgment when it's done with the right motivation, okay? But the idea here in Matthew 7, when Jesus says, do not judge, he's simply saying this, do not be judgmental. It's a critical spirit. It's a harsh, condemning attitude toward other people that places me above them in some way so that now I'm looking down on them. That's, that's the idea here. It, it, uh, Paul echoes this in Romans 14. Paul says to the church, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? See the same idea? And then Paul says, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Now, we're all decent people here. Meaning, we know it's wrong to be judgmental. We know it's wrong. But it's not just wrong. It's not just a failure to be nice. Do you notice what, what I just quoted from Paul? And what we've looked at already from Jesus? They both root this in a much deeper spiritual reality. There are, there are deep spiritual implications when it comes to not just niceness toward other people, but this is, a, this is an issue that God takes seriously. You notice what Paul said. He said, we all stand before the judgment seat of God. We all have an equal standing in that regard. No matter how good I think I am, how bad other people think they are, uh, or I, I think they are, that we all stand before the same judgment seat of God. Jesus says, don't judge so that you will not be judged. What's he talking about? Is Jesus saying you shouldn't judge others because they might judge you back? No. Jesus is talking about the judgment of God here. For in the way you judge, he says, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. There's a divine reality at stake here when we live with a condemning spirit. And, and what Jesus says is meant to sober us. What if God held me to the same standard that I use for others? What if God was as petty toward me as I am toward others? What if he measured me the same way that I measure those who I look down on? Would that turn out well for me? Would that turn out well for you? No, 
This is a sobering statement, isn't it? See, the reality of the gospel is that, that by God's grace, we are not treated as our sins deserve. We are given mercy in place of judgment. But a judgmental spirit in my heart, a judgmental spirit denies all that. It denies mercy. It says, I'm better than other people. They're the ones who need mercy. I don't. They need to get their act together and become more like me. Right? We deny our need for the gospel. And Jesus warns us, listen, if that's your standard, if that's the standard you want to go by, God is going to apply that same standard to your life. And that will not end well for us. That's not something we want. And so we have to diagnose or allow Jesus to diagnose why we are this way if we're going to change. Why are, why, why are we this way and how do we change it? Jesus kind of functions as a, as a, as a physician here. He's going to tell us that our problem is uh, is not rooted in just a a you know a lack of cultural niceness. He says our our problem is actually an issue of blindness. There's a problem with our eyes. Look at verse three, Matthew seven three. Jesus says, "Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye?" You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Uh, Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does this. He uses the eye as an illustration. This is at least the third time he's done it. In, In Matthew 5, Jesus said, If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out, tear it out, and throw it from you. And then in chapter 6, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And then right here, Matthew 7, he says you have to be conscious of what's in your own eye. Right? The context here is he's, he's talking about a brother, meaning a fellow Christian. This is a relationship with a fellow Christian. And you see a speck in your brother's eye. There's some sin in his life, in her life, you see it. You notice it. Maybe uh, he's a selfish person, and it's obvious to you. Maybe she is full of gossip. Maybe she's lazy. Maybe he's, he's um, uh, bound up with sexual immorality. Whatever it may be. Whatever the sin is. And of course, Jesus says, you see that sin. You notice it. There's no, there's no question uh, in your mind that they're living in sin. But here's where the, the, the thing turns sour for us. We look at our brother, our sister in their sin, and we think, oh, isn't that a shame? I can't believe she'd act that way. I can't believe he'd do that. Uh, I know what I would do if I were him, but my goodness, I mean, I, you know, we start to just, we start to turn into this, this harsh, condemning, judgmental kind of person. We know what we would do if we were them. And if they could just get their act together, then maybe they'd be better. Maybe they'd be more like me. But all the while, Jesus says, you have a log in your own eye. I can spot the sin in others, even if it's very small. But I cannot see the sin in myself 
even if it's very large. I'll put your sin under the microscope, but I'm unwilling to even look into the mirror at myself. I live in a house with no mirrors. I have no self-awareness. I have no concept of my own sin. Now, y'all, that is, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Do I not gossip? Do I not have greed in my heart? Do I not have a propensity to, 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 to laziness? Do, am I the only person somehow in this room who doesn't deal with deep sinful desires in my heart? Of course. Of course I'm a sinner. But if I can see your sin and not my own, then it shows that I'm blinded to reality. I've got a log in my eye, and inevitably what happens is I'll start to think that I'm better than you. You have sin, I don't. Or, at least, I've got a good reason for my sin. And I don't extend the same slack to you. I don't give you the same uh, benefit right? of thinking, well, there's a good reason for what I'm doing, but you couldn't possibly have a reason for what you're doing. See, I mean, we, we do this. The log in your eye makes you blind. Blind to yourself. You can see the sin in others, but you're unwilling to look into the mirror at your own life, at your own heart. And Jesus says, verse 5, very clearly, this is hypocrisy. It makes us hypocrites. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You've got to deal with your own heart first. And you notice this. Jesus says, removing the speck from your brother's eye is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a harsh, critical, judgmental thing. We're meant to, as the church, we're meant to help each other, encourage each other concerning our pursuit of Jesus. We, we're meant to help each other with our sins, right? That's a good thing. But only when you recognize your own sin first. Only then, Jesus says, are you going to be humble and merciful and gentle with your brother. Only when you acknowledge that you are weak, that you're a sinner too, will you stop looking with harsh condemnation and you'll start looking with genuine love and concern. I would want you to do that for me. And as your brother, I owe you the same. We're not here to jockey for position to see who can do better, who can be better than the others, and we'll look down on all those who can't keep up. That is hypocrisy. We're meant to recognize the log in our own eyes so, so that we might see clearly and no longer be blinded to reality. That's when we become the kind of person who can actually be a help, a blessing, a fountain to others rather than a drain on them. Now, let's hold on to this idea. We're going to come back around to it, big picture, what Jesus is saying here concerning a judgmental spirit, a condemning spirit. But he's not done um, kind of rounding out this idea. He's going to give us a related idea, but it's a very different perspective in verse 6. And this is a confusing scripture. I'll just acknowledge it. It's been confusing to me for a long time. But I want to, let's address it before we come back around to the rest, okay? In, in verse 6, Jesus, remember, he's talking about do not judge, do not be judgmental. But then he makes a statement that, that seems to almost counteract that. Look at verse 6. He says to us, he says, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, 
or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What does that mean? Uh, Here's what I think that means. Jesus is calling us to discernment here. Discernment. Why? Well, to be a Christian, to be a Christian, by definition, it means that we carry with us the gospel message. The very thing that makes us who we are, the thing that has changed our lives, the things now we devote our lives to, it's the message of God's grace to save sinners. That's the whole basis of what we are, who we are, why we're alive. And so, Jesus says, to carry that message, it's like, it's like possessing a holy treasure. He says it's like carrying expensive pearls with you at all times. But then he says, don't throw those pearls to dogs and pigs lest they trample them and then turn and tear us to pieces. There are people who, in the face of our message, in the face of the grace of the gospel, they will do nothing but hate us and savagely mock us and attack us for who we are and what we believe. There are those people in the world. And Jesus is saying we have to be discerning, not judgmental, not hateful in return, right? But don't continually throw these pearls to those who just delight to trample them and attack you. Um, There are multiple examples of this in the Bible. I can think of at least two. Jesus, at one point in the Gospels, Jesus sent his disciples out two by two to go and minister, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to share the Gospel in different cities. And he gave them instructions. One of the instructions Jesus gave his disciples... He said, if a city rejects you, if they will not listen to you, if they, will, if they abuse you, go to the edge of that city, he says, and wipe the dust of that city off of your feet and move on. Um, in in uh, Acts chapter 18, the apostle Paul was continually rejected and abused by the Jews he was trying to minister to. And eventually he said to them, You're, you will bear your own guilt I'm going to preach to the Gentiles. At a certain point, Paul had had enough abuse, and he said, I'm leaving now, and I'm going to go preach to people who will hear it, who will receive it. And so there's a model here in the Scripture that you don't continually throw these pearls before those who simply delight to trample them because other people will receive. Other people need to hear. Now, I I want to be really clear. What Jesus is saying here in verse 6 in my experience, is pretty rare. In other parts of the world, it may be much more common. Certainly in Jesus' day, it was more common. In our context, it does happen, but it's not as frequent, in my experience. Meaning, and what I mean by that is, we shouldn't be looking for opportunities to apply this text right here. It may happen, and in that case, we need to be very discerning and very gracious and, and be willing to obey Christ. Um, but listen, we, the worst thing we can do is misapply this and start to think, anybody who doesn't believe what I believe, I'm going to apply this verse to them. I'm going to reject them and, and cut them out of my life. They're, they're not persecuting me. They're not savagely attacking what I believe. They just don't share my beliefs. In that case, that's, that we don't apply verse 6 to that kind of person. I think I do think that verse 6 serves as an exception for most of us. And so here's the, here's the thing. If you ever wonder, should I apply this verse 
to a relationship to my life? Um, maybe. But I would encourage you to really pray, really pray, and seek godly counsel. Find somebody who can help you think through it so that we don't misapply it and fail to live with grace in our relationships. Okay, um, So just don't be quick to apply this unless it's really, really, really obvious that you should. That's, just, that's how I view it. Okay, Now let's, let's come back to the bigger picture here. What Jesus is calling us uh, to is to recognize the hypocrisy of a judgmental spirit. We've got to recognize it. We've got to see it in ourselves. And a lot of times it happens that we're, sh- we're shown that this is in our hearts. We don't like to admit it. We don't want to believe it about ourselves, but we're just, we're, we see it at times. We catch glimpses of it, and it should stop us in our tracks. This happened to me. Um, I, I remember this like it was yesterday. I've shared this story before, but I, th- I find it very helpful. I was on the way to church one Sunday when I was in college. My roommate Adam and I, we were going to First Baptist Church in Starkville. And we were sitting at the stop sign right at the corner of the church where people who had already parked were, were walking across the street into church. So we're watching these people pass in front of us. And we see a guy that we both knew, a guy who had a reputation. And I make the comment right there in the car, what's he doing here? What's he doing at church? To which Adam says, I mean, you can't say that. And my, I replied, well, look at how he lives. To which Adam said, look at how you live. Huh. And I had nothing to say because I knew he was right. I mean, I was, I, was, I was dead in my tracks. I was exposed in that moment. I was exposed as a judgmental hypocrite. And I knew it was wrong. I knew I was wrong for it. Now, here's the the sad truth, as much as I hate to admit it. That was 14, 15 years ago now. I haven't somehow left all of that behind and removed all of it from my heart. It's still in me. That propensity to judge, to look down on other people, for whatever reason, it's still in me. And my guess is it's in you too. Whether small or large, it, it takes up residence in our hearts and, and here's the, the, the problem. I mentioned this earlier. We know it's wrong. Nobody wants to be a hypocrite. We know it's wrong to have a judgmental spirit. But y'all, knowing it's wrong doesn't actually give us the power to stop it. And that's the issue. The issue is not acknowledge it's wrong. Of course, that's a, that's a great first step. But how do we actually expunge it from our lives? How do we actually change and become more like Christ? So let's look at that as we close. I, it, it helps me to think about life in terms of a ladder. This is a helpful illustration for me. I hope, I hope it will be for you too. Think about a ladder. It's a very simple thing, right? You, you've got a ladder with rungs, and you get from bottom up to top by climbing up the rungs, a ladder. We tend to look at life, to look at ourselves and other people on ladders, Here's what I mean. We, and we call it this. We have what we call a social ladder. Where you can climb the social ladder and become more respected, more popular, more accepted, more liked. And we do this where we, we esteem people based on where we judge that they are on the ladder. We leave people in or out based on where they are on the social ladder. You, you've probably done this before. You've been invited to some event, some party maybe. And your first question was, who's going to be there? 
Well, you, you're asking a social ladder question. I'm not going unless certain people are going to be there. Either because I think I'm higher up on the ladder already and I'm not going to hang out with the lower folks, or you think you're lower on the ladder and you don't want to feel left out. You don't want to feel rejected, right? But it's a social ladder kind of question, isn't it? We do the same thing with what we call the corporate ladder, where we apply it to our work and our careers. The goal is to climb the ladder. You start out low, perhaps, but you want to work your way up to be more and more successful, right? And everybody's somewhere on that ladder. We have cultural ladders, we have political ladders, but the one that that is most in view here in Matthew 7 is what I would call the moral ladder. And the moral ladder is is the most important one to me because I'm a religious person. If you're a religious person, then the moral ladder is so significant because that ladder measures how good of a person you are. And so the question now becomes, if I can be good, if I can be decent, if I can be self-controlled and generous, if I can abide by the laws, then how far up the ladder can I climb? Maybe I can climb up this moral ladder, right? Because I'm good. And to all the people below me, to all the people on the lower rungs... I feel justified in looking down on them. Because why can't they get their act together like I have? Why can't they figure it out like I've done? Why can't they just be good like me? We begin to think that. We might not say it out loud. But that that thought, that idea, takes, takes up residence in our hearts. The higher up the ladder I can be, the more I disdain those below me because they can't live up. And even if, here's, here's, the, here's this crazy thing, even if I have moral failures, and of course I do, even if I have sins in my life that knock me down the ladder, perhaps, I can always look down and find somebody worse than me. And that justifies me. I may not be perfect, sure, but I'm not like him. I'm not living like her. And we all do this. We all do this. Maybe things are not good for you right now. Maybe I've really blown it somewhere in my life. Ah, but I can always find somebody worse than me, and therefore I'm not that bad. And that is a judgmental heart. That's a hypocrisy of the heart that Jesus says is absolutely sinful. Listen, this this was the whole basis for my rant that day at the stop sign in front of church. That this guy walking into church, this guy doesn't belong here. He's lower down on the moral ladder than me, or at least that's what I thought, and therefore, he shouldn't be sitting in the same pew with me and the rest of the good folks. He has not earned his way in here. He doesn't deserve it. But y'all, in that moment, I, I had, I'm going to church, and I had missed in that moment the entire heart of the Christian faith. The entire core and heart of the Christian faith. Listen, at the center of the Christian faith is not a ladder. It's a cross. A cross. Y'all, we are not saved by climbing a ladder and doing enough good that we can separate ourselves from the bad people. We are the bad people. And we can only be saved if God graciously comes down to us and rescues us. Whenever I look down on somebody in judgment over them, it's because somehow I have denied my own need for grace and forgiveness. 
somehow I've convinced myself that I don't need mercy because I'm good enough on my own. I've put a ladder up in front of the cross. Y'all, when God wanted to make us righteous people, He didn't give us a better rule book to follow, a better formula to obey. He didn't, he didn't uh, you know, dust off the law and say, y'all try again, get your act together, figure it out this time. He didn't do that. When God wanted to make sinners into righteous people, he sent us his son. He came down to us and through faith in Jesus, Jesus who died and who rose again for us, by faith in him, we are now counted righteous. Regardless of which rung of the ladder God found you on, you are righteous only by faith in Jesus Christ, only by the good work of someone else can you be accepted before God. That's good news for people who are down low on the ladder, isn't it? For people who know they're bad, who've given up trying perhaps, the gospel of grace is wonderful news for them. You know who might have the hardest time receiving the gospel? People like me who feel like we're higher up on the ladder. Because to come to Jesus, to have faith in Jesus, means nothing good that I have done is of any saving good for me in God's eyes. In fact, the higher up on the ladder I think I may be, the harder it is for me to receive grace because I have to acknowledge that all my ladder climbing is worthless. None of it can save me. None of it can make me acceptable to God. I'm a sinner in need of grace. And so this ladder mentality does so much more harm than good. I might be doing good things, but if I look to my own goodness as my identity, not only do I look down on those who are below me in my own eyes, that's the issue of sin here in Matthew 7, not only that, but I also reject my own need for grace because I've put a ladder in front of the cross. Listen, God accepts you fully regardless of what rung of the ladder he found you on. Never let go of that fact. That's the gospel of grace. And this is why, listen, when we read in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul gives the church instructions on how to handle a person in sin. Listen to what he says. Listen to how it connects to Matthew 7. This is Galatians 6, 1. Paul says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, in any sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. You see what, G what, what Paul's saying? Make sure the log in your own eye has been plucked out. Look to yourself. Recognize your own sin so that you can treat this sinner in a spirit of gentleness and restoration because that's the goal. The goal is not to condemn this person, but to restore them, right? And you will only restore them if you see yourself as a sinner in need of the same grace that this person in front of you needs. And that's why Paul says in verse 3, Galatians 6, 3, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. In other words, listen, if I think 
I am favored by God because of my goodness, because of my good efforts, because of my religious works, then I deceive myself and I will inevitably fall into a judgmental spirit toward those who I think are further down the ladder than me. If I think my own goodness is what makes me who I am, then I will feel always justified in looking down upon those who can't measure up. But, and, and, and of course Paul says that's deception, that's self-deception. I've got a log in my eye, I can't see reality. But, if you and I recognize what Jesus has actually done for us, that He is our righteousness, that He is the forgiver of all sin through His good works, not through ours, if we, if we really start to see Him for, what he, for who He is and for what He's really done for us, then we're not going to judge and condemn fellow sinners because they're the same as us, right? We, we see it in our own lives, and so instead we're going to seek to restore them. We're not going to try to whip them up some imaginary moral ladder. Try harder, do better. No, we're going to point them to the cross because that's where we have found mercy and grace. Y'all, this is wonderful news. It's hard for the religious person, perhaps, to hear and to take in. It's hard for the kind of person, if you're like me, that you see, you see life as a ladder to climb, then this wonderful news of the gospel is abrasive, it's difficult, but it's so liberating. Because, listen, only the grace of Jesus Christ can truly humble us. If life is a ladder to climb, then you can't be humble, right? You can't be. You can be humiliated when you fail, but you can't be humble. Because the whole point is to, to span the ladder and get above others. Right? But in the gospel, we become truly humble people. Because here's the truth. If I am saved by His goodness, not mine, then who in this world do I have the right to look down on? I don't, I don't believe that good people go to heaven. That's not a Christian belief. There's nothing good in me that gets me to heaven. It's His goodness, not mine. And if I really believe that, then how can I look down on anybody? I'm not better than anybody else. I haven't earned my, my place here somehow that, that other people need to catch up with me. No, it's, it's all grace. Who am I better than? If my entire life is built on the grace of of God given to me? The answer is nobody. No, even the very worst of people, I'm not better than them. That's not what got me here. What got me here was putting my faith in someone else who is good, who is perfect, and who bestowed his righteousness upon me. That's what it is to be a Christian. It humbles us. You can't look down on anybody if you really understand grace. And so that's a passive thing. That, that, that's something that ought to change our hearts. We should not feel superior to anybody. We should not feel harshly judgmental toward anybody, right? But it's not just a passive feeling. I want, I want to show you this real quickly as we close. This is also an active new reality. This is a, this is a, a new way of life. Y'all, if, if John 3.16 is true, and it is, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him may not perish, but have everlasting life. If that verse is true for a sinner like me, then it has to be true for other sinners too.
even the ones I look down on the most. Am I right? It has to be true for all of us. And so here's, here's the, the wonderful good news for us today. The gospel of grace frees my heart from judgment. It should free your heart from a judgmental, condemning, harsh attitude, right? But it also calls you out into the world. If I've been saved by grace, I've got pearls to offer the world. I've got a holy treasure to give. And now I'm called as a Christian not just to feel better feelings in my heart, but to actively love people that I might otherwise judge and to show them the same mercy and the same grace that saved a wretch like me. Let's pray. Father, it is, uh, this is such a deep need of our hearts. I know it's true for me. I'm so quick to want to judge, to want to assume that I'm, that I'm better than others. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I may be pretty rough around the edges, but at least I'm not like that. I, I just, my heart goes there so easily. And I suspect that that's true for all of us. And so, Father, um, show us, um, pull the cover off of this sin. Show us our own hypocrisy. It ought to trouble us. It ought to be something detestable to us when we, when we actually look into the mirror and, and see it for what it is. And I pray, Lord, that that would be the first step for us today, a conviction of the heart. I do not like what I see in, in myself. I am a hypocrite. I hold others to standards that I don't hold myself to so that I can look down on them. But Lord, having, having recognized that today, Show us, Lord, the beauty of Jesus Christ. That when he looked down upon this sinful world, when he looked at me, when he looked at us in our, in our spiritual darkness and death, he didn't cast us off. He didn't tell us we got what we deserved. He didn't hand us a ladder and wish us luck. Father, you sent your Son to save us, to rescue us in spite of us. And Father, there is absolutely nothing we bring to the table here. We simply receive it as a gift. And so God, if that's true, it ought to change how we think, uh, not just about ourselves, but how we view others. And so Father, I pray for us today that you would, that you would turn this, this heart of ours away from this ladder mentality and, and, and turn us to the cross where all sinners come and receive grace just the same. Those on the top rung and those on the bottom, we're all sinners in need of the saving grace of Christ, and you have given it to us in full. Father, let, let, let us have a clear view. Let us pull the logs out of our eyes. Let us recognize our own sin and repent of it so that we might see clearly and that we might become not judgmental people, but compassionate. Not harsh people, but gentle. Not those who, who view life as a ladder, but those who point others to a cross. Lord, we, we trust in this truth that because of Jesus Christ, nothing is the same. Nothing, nothing in our hearts ought to ever be the same. And so give us, Lord, integrity 
that as we receive grace for ourselves, we would have the integrity to view others with the same grace, to extend it to them, to seek restoration for other sinners and not condemnation. Lord, if the gospel is true, we don't look down on anybody. We look up to you and we help others to see the same grace that saves us. And so, Lord, make it so today in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.